0: Lord for this is the day that you have made and we choose to rejoice and be glad in it Lord, in this day, we ask you, Lord God, that you would fill our hearts with your word. That you would transform our lives. That we will never be the same as we came in this morning. Father, today, we just thank you that you are uh, anointing me, Lord God. You're wearing me like a glove this morning. And Lord God, we all promise to give you the glory. Lord God, at the end of it all, in Jesus' mighty name we pray and everyone say... Amen, amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. Wow. What a great day. What a great day. This is perfect. God is so good. Let me just get my clock here going because Pastor Eben taught me to use a clock when I'm preaching. I wonder why. Hallelujah. Would you turn with me in your Bibles real quick to the book of John chapter 10. and We're going to read verse 10. John chapter 10 and verse 10. And we've been doing a series called How to Have a Better Life. How to have a better life. How many of you have seen improvements in your life since you've started this series? Let me see your hands. Oh, that is awesome. That is awesome. How to have a better life. Uh, A few weeks ago... We started uh, with this series and we started with this very scripture, John chapter 10, verse 10. This is a foundation scripture of this series. And it says this, the thief cometh not except to steal and to kill and to what? And to destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it how? Have it more abundantly. Jesus says that the purpose of him coming was that we would have life, but have an abundant life. In other words, that we would have a better life than we had if he had not come. Amen. In other words, before Jesus came, the only person that was operating in our lives was the thief. How many of you know that before you met Jesus, the only thing that was operating in your life was the thief? There was, there was stealing, there was destruction, there was all sorts of mayhem happening in your life. But Jesus came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And so we learned a few weeks ago that a better life begins with making quality decisions one at a time. Amen? And then Pastor Eben outlined a decision-making process, which I think is just fabulous. I mean, if you follow that process, you would make the best decisions of your life every time. Amen? If you weren't here for that, if you don't have a copy of that, get that CD. The other thing that he also told us is that knowledge is the key to a better life. Amen? Amen. And last week we spoke about faith being uh, the, is what we need in order to change. In that a lot of times we get into a pattern of life and we want to get out, but it takes more faith to get out than to stay in and live miserably. And so last week, Pastor Eben said, listen, man, you need faith to step out of your boat. Hallelujah. How many of you know that sometimes it feels, even though the storm is raging in the, in the boat, you feel like, man, I can't leave because I got to hold on to the boat. But Jesus is saying, come out of the boat. It takes some faith to do that. Amen. Amen. Well, today I want to speak about how to change something that we don't think about all the time and it's our heart. Because let me, let me tell you this, a better life begins with a better heart. Hope you understand that it doesn't matter how great your life is on the outside. If stuff isn't good on the inside, it ain't going to matter anyway. Are you with me? There there are some things that you want that other people have, but guess what? They have it and they don't enjoy it because their heart isn't right. So if you've got a better life without a better heart, it ain't a better life. Are you getting what I'm saying? Because some of you are much further now than you were in the past, but you ain't any happier now than you were back then. Everything around you has changed, but what's inside you has not changed. Are you with me so far? And so the condition of your heart determines the position of your life. I'm going to say that again. The condition of your heart determines the position of your life. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 4. The book of Proverbs chapter 4. If you can find Psalms, Psalm is right in the middle of your of your Bible. If you open your Bible right in the middle you'll find Psalms and then just flip to the right till you get to Proverbs chapter four. Proverbs chapter four. We're going to look at verse twenty three. Proverbs four, verse twenty three. Because if your heart is right, if your heart is in the right position, then what's on the outside becomes enjoyable. It becomes something that we can truly uh, experience joy about. Look at Psalm, um, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Let's read that together. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Another way to say that is that out of your heart flows... The issues of life. In other words, the things that matter to you, that really affect your life, come from your heart. It's in your heart that the things that are going to make a difference for your life exist. Uh, The New Living Translation says it this way. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Oh, I've got like that. Your heart determines your course. In other words, your destination is based upon the position of your heart. Not the acquiring of your stuff. Oh, my Lord. Jesus, Jesus said it this way. A man's life is not uh, made up of the acquiring of the things he possesses. In other words, there is something of the heart that we've got to check and watch out for in order to make our lives a better life. When your heart is free of contamination, it's free of stuff that, that's, that, that tends to bungle it up and mess it up, we attract God's best and we're able to enjoy God's best. You see, there's no sense in getting a better life... Without being able to enjoy the better life. How many of you know it's not the things that you get that's going to make your life better? How many of you know that your joy is not caught up in the man that you're looking for or the woman you're looking for? Oh, I've got to say something here. How many of you know, hallelujah, if you get the marriage but don't enjoy the marriage? That don't make any sense. Are you with me? I want the marriage but I want to enjoy the marriage. Amen. I want the house, but I want to enjoy the house. I want the car, but I want to what? I want to enjoy the car. It doesn't make sense if I get the promotion, but I don't enjoy it. That ain't better. That's worse because some of us get blessed and then the blessing becomes a burden. Not because the blessing itself is a burden, but because our hearts are in the wrong place. Because we thought that was going to give us joy. But joy, that doesn't bring joy to us. We bring joy to it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm saying if you aren't happy as a single, you ain't going to be happy as a married person. When your life gets better, you need to bring something to it. It, It's not supposed to give you everything. You're supposed to bring something to it. Amen. Amen. So God desires that we not only receive His blessing, but we're able to rejoice in His blessing as well. Turn to Ecclesiastes. This is, uh, if you're in Proverbs, just move over to Ecclesiastes. Just a few pages over. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. We're going to be looking at verse 12. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 12. This is awesome here. Because God wants to bless us on the outside but he wants us to be a blessing on the inside. Look at this. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Look at verse 12. I know that nothing is better for them, and that means people, nothing is better for people than to rejoice and to do good in their lives. And also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy. Somebody say enjoy. enjoy. Say it again. Eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. What's the gift of God? The gift of God is that you're able to enjoy all the things that he's blessed you with. You see, we think that if we get the things, then we'll be happy. God says, that's not the gift. The gift is that I have your heart in such a place that when I do bless you, you are able to enjoy what I bless you with. In other words, listen, there are some people who are getting divorced in the house that you think will bring you joy. Did you get that? Did you get, let me say that again. There are some people who are getting divorced in the house that you think would bring you joy. In other words, the house didn't make their lives happier. You got what I'm saying? It's not the house that makes you happier. You've got to have something on the inside. So when God blesses you, you will rejoice. You'll be able to lift your hands and say, God, I bless you. I got this from you. But I have a joy that's inside that I can appreciate everything that you've given me. There are some people, you know, sometimes you look at people and say, man, you are so blessed. And they're so miserable. And you're thinking, what is wrong with you? Don't you see what God has done in your life? The problem is not the stuff. There's something on the inside that's wrong. Jesus, let's let's look at chapter 5. Look at chapter 5, verse 19. This was so important, God said it twice. Listen to this. And he even bumped it up the next time. Listen to this. Ecclesiastes 5, 19. As for every man to whom God has given riches and wealth, and given him power to eat of it. That's good right there. In other words, he has riches, wealth, he has health. Okay? Riches, wealth, health. To receive his heritage and rejoice in his labor, this is the gift of God. To be able to rejoice in your labor is a gift of To be able to rejoice in the blessings that God has given you is a gift of God. Jesus said it this way. Jesus said it this way. Uh, these things, in fact, I'm going to turn to it. It's, um, keep your hand right here in Ecclesiastes because we're coming right back to that era. John fifteen eleven. Maybe we can just put it up on the screen. John 15, 11. Jesus, listen to what Jesus said about how he expects us to have what kind of heart he expects from us. Here's what he says. These things I have spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Oh, that's good. Listen to what Jesus is saying. He's saying, "I have a joy, me Jesus. I have a joy that I want to be in you, that your joy would be full." You, you got that? Therefore, watching, it. it's our joy is almost like this cup, like this vessel. And God, Jesus says, "I'm going to put my joy in you, that your joy, this vessel, would be full." Now, the word "full" there means stuffed. <laughs> It, it doesn't just full, like when we say, hey man, you have a cup of, it means, it means like it's pushed down and all the air is taken out. There's no more space for anything else because I keep pushing and pushing and pushing till I can't push anymore. It means God, Jesus said, I want to stuff my joy in you. Oh my Lord. I want, to, I want you to be stuffed to my joy. I want you to be so happy. I want you to be so blessed. That's the better life. Because when our hearts are in that position, God can bring things to us and we can rejoice. Proverbs 10, verse 22. I feel like passed Evan giving you all these scriptures. <laughs> Proverbs 10, verse 22. If you're in Ecclesiastes, just flip back one, a uh, couple pages. Proverbs 10, verse 22. This is what God says. He says, the blessing of the Lord. Oh my Lord it makes one rich and it adds no sorrow come on now it adds what no sorrow and, and, and here's here's what god is saying listen when you experience the better life you not only get blessed but there's no sorrow there's no sorrow with the blessing what, what where does sorrow take place In the heart. In other words, God is saying, listen, it's not just that I want to make you rich. That is taken care of. The earth is mine. The gold is mine. The silver is mine. I can do that. That's easy for me. Here's the hard part. The hard part is getting you to get your heart in the place to enjoy the riches that I have to give you. And so God says, Why, where's your heart? Where's my heart? What do, we, what do we need to do? We need to make sure the condition of our heart is right. Because our heart either, watch this, the condition of our heart either helps us to rejoice or it hinders us from rejoicing. So I'm going to talk about three things that um, contaminate our heart and prevent us from truly experiencing the better life. Are you ready? Put on your seatbelts. We're getting ready to rumble. Turn to Psalm 32. Psalm 32. The first one I want to tell you about as you turn to Psalm 32 is guilt. Woo! Guilt. Guilt is one of those things that enter our hearts and make it difficult for us to enjoy the things that God has given us. Guilt makes us feel like we owe somebody something. That's what guilt does. Guilt makes us feel like we owe somebody something. It could be God. It could be our wife. It could be our children. It could be our ex. It could be our parents. It could be our children. It doesn't matter. Guilt makes us feel like we owe somebody something. Look at what Psalm 32 says. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Now, this is David speaking. and He's speaking about how blessed it is when you feel forgiven. But here's what he goes on to say because he's talking now, but then he uh, he starts to have a little retrospection going on in his life. He starts to think about what happened a few days ago. So he says, When I kept silence." My bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned to the drought of summer. Here's what's going on. David, man, David messed up a couple times. How many of you know that he messed up? Hey, Amen. How many of you that know, like, he really messed up? Hey, Amen. Yeah, David, David messed up real bad. And David decided when he messed up, he wasn't going to tell nobody about it. He's not going to tell, none of you know what this is like. So let me just, let me just explain it to you. He did wrong, but he didn't want anybody to know. So he kept quiet and he wasn't saying anything. Now David's living in a palace. He has servants. He has anything and everything he wants at his fingertips. And yet, guess what was happening to him? He couldn't enjoy it. He couldn't enjoy it. You know what? He said his bones felt like they were growing old. He felt like his vitality was being sapped out of him. He felt the joy leaving him and just sucking away. I he was like, man, what is wrong? And God says, you need to talk to me. And, G- and, and he was like, go say nothing. How many of you know God already knows? <laughs> amen. Adam, Adam, where are you? <laughs> God knew where he was. Amen. It, listen, God wasn't playing hide and seek. God needed Adam to tell him where he was. A lot of times God is calling us, not because he wants to find us, but we need to figure out where we are. Because we left somewhere that we were supposed to be, are you with me? And so here's what. Uh, so here's what's happening. He says, "Listen." Uh, so David said, "Look at the next verse." David said, "Next verse." Oh, this is so awesome! Look at this. Ah, oh, this is good. For um, verse five, I acknowledge my sin to you. He talked. Ah. Uh, to him, to God, and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Guess what? He got free. All of a sudden he said, listen man, this is not worth it secrecy is not worth the feeling I'm having inside, the burden I'm having inside, the weight in my heart. I can't even enjoy. Even when God blesses me, I'm going, man, I don't deserve this. I don't want. Because you know, there's something inside. You say, I need to talk to you. A lot of times we don't end up enjoying the things that God has for us because we're walking around with guilt. But Jesus says, listen, hear what God says. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of all your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. How many of you know that Jesus took every guilt, every mistake, every bad decision to the cross in the name of Jesus and we can be free? Hallelujah. Amen. We don't have to stay on the guilt. Hallelujah. The solution to guilt is confession. Confession tell the person beside the solution to guilt is confession amen 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 the second thing that i want to let you know about is anger oh my anger and unforgiveness Now, I use them together because a lot of times, anger leads to unforgiveness. How many of you know that? And unforgiveness leads to anger. They're kind of a little cycle of their own. But when uh, when you have an issue with anger or unforgiveness, oftentimes it's because you feel that somebody owes you something. See, guilt makes you feel you owe somebody. Anger makes you feel somebody owes you. That somebody stole your childhood. Somebody stole your hopes of a happy marriage. Somebody stole your opportunity to go to college. Somebody stole your opportunity for a business. Somebody stole something and you feel somebody owes me something somewhere. Are you with me? Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. I want to show you something about anger that that really, I believe, is going to bless you. I mean, this is so awesome. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to read from verse 26 this morning. Man, God is good. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. Here's what it says. Be angry and do not sin. (laughs) Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Nor give place to the devil. That's where the sentence ends. Nor give place to the devil. A lot of times we don't quote that part. But how many of you know that when anger, oh boy, how many of you know that when you walk around with anger, you're giving place to the devil? Oh, come on. Some of you know some angry people and some of you think that they're the devil themselves. Amen? Come on. Some of you married to some, um, hallelujah. I'm just kidding. I'm just playing. I'm just, don't, don't tell that serious. Don't be elbowing anybody now. He's talking about you. Listen, this, this scripture was always, always um, uh, I, I was taught, I remember being taught this scripture in marriage counseling. I knew the scripture before, but we always kind of use it for marriage counseling. Now, don't go to bed, angry with each other. But I believe that God has a bigger meaning for this. And, and here's something that, that really spoke to me about this scripture. I believe that as we go through different seasons in our lives, childhood, adolescence, uh, young adulthood, marriage, child, uh, parenthood. That as we go through these different seasons in our lives, that the sun sets on each season to start a brand new season in our lives. Oh boy. I, I want you to get this now. And what happens in our lives oftentimes is that when we don't deal with an anger situation in one season... And we allow that season to close. That we bring that anger into another season. And we start to take that anger out on people that don't even have anything to do with the season before. Are you getting what I'm saying? So that if we had an issue in childhood and we're married, we've gone through so many sunsets by the time we get there. We forgot who the problem was with in the first place. And we start to take it out on the people who are living with us. Oh my Lord. That's why when we're going for marriage counseling, they sit us down and say, tell me about your childhood I'm not here about my childhood. I'm here about my marriage. I understand that. But guess what? We've got to find out which season started the whole process. Where did the devil come in to cause you to be who you are today? Because your anger is not normal. <laughs> are you getting what I'm saying this morning? And so here's, 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 here's the deal. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. (laughs) Here's the deal. In order to deal with anger, in order to deal with forgiveness, guess what? We have got, or unforgiveness, we've got to forgive. Watch this. And we've got to release the debt. Now that's a hard one. Because guess what? You really feel they owe you. And they don't deserve it. But let me tell you something. Even if they do owe you, They can't pay you back. Who can give you back your childhood? Who's going to give you back that opportunity for college or opportunity? Who's going to do that? They can't do that. It's like, you know, how do you hold a debt over someone who can't pay you back? Are you with me? We've got to get to the place where we say, you know what? I release you of your debt. Why? Because that way I can enjoy my better life. Listen, it's not for them. It's for me. My marriage, which I thought would bring me joy, will become the sweeter if I forgive my dad. I'm not doing something for my dad. I'm doing something for me and my marriage. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so therefore, now that I have a blessing, in order for the blessing not to be a burden, I've got to deal with my heart so my heart can enjoy the blessing of the Lord and no sorrow will be added to it. Amen. Oh, come on now, church. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now I want to say one thing about, about forgiveness here. Forgiveness is not the same as trust. Okay, I want us to make that distinction real clear. Because I'm telling you, man, if I invite you to my house and you steal something, I might forgive you. <laughs> but you ain't coming back. <laughs> Amen? Forgiveness can be instant, but trust takes time to build. Are you seeing the difference between those two? And sometimes people have to do some... When trust is broken, sometimes people have to work hard to earn it back. But it doesn't mean I can't forgive you. It just means I can't give you the same liberty I gave you before. So I just want to make that distinction. Because I'm not saying now that you forgive that you're going to just do everything that you, I'm not saying that. But I am saying that you need to forgive if you want to enjoy the blessings of the Lord in your life. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, turn to Proverbs 27. Proverbs 27. Man, this is this one is this one is heavy. This next one is heavy. Tell the person beside you, this one's going to be heavy. Proverbs chapter 27. I'm not going to tell you what it is before I read the scripture. Proverbs 27 and verse 4. Proverbs 27 verse 4. Here it goes. Wrath is cruel, and anger a torrent. But who is able to stand before jealousy? Let me tell you something about jealousy and envy. Envy, I won't put them together. Envy and jealousy. Let me tell you something. Nobody likes to admit this one. You know, what? if I said, man, how many of you here, you know, there's a, you have a sense of guilt or burden of guilt. You know, some people might put up their hands. If so, how many of you here, you know, you struggle with unforgiveness. How many of you here are jealous? No hands. <laughs> we don't like to talk about jealousy. Because jealousy is something like but I'm not jealous. I'm just saying. <laughs> you know, I'm not jealous. Let me tell you. Jealousy. <laughs> Let me tell you about jealousy. Jealousy says this. Listen. Jealousy makes us feel not like somebody owes us something. Or not like we owe somebody something. But jealousy makes us feel like God owes us something. Uh, God is unfair or God, you know what I mean? What we do is we look on somebody else and we say, but I tithe too. So how come, and I, I go to church too. So how come they got, uh, I, I do this, but so how come they got, in other words, sometimes we look at other people's blessings and say, but how, how did they get that? We didn't get it. That's what happened with Cain and Abel. You remember that story, Cain and Abel? Yeah. And here, here's what, um, Cain and Abel sitting on a table, take the, take the fork and, uh, juke him in his navel. That's a Jamaican thing, right? <laughs> juke. Juke means to stick, to stab. <laughs> Careful, I might juke you. <laughs> here, here's the thing. Here's the thing with, <laughs> here's the thing with envy. And, and, and um, here's the thing with envy. We usually can't take it out on the blesser. So we take it out on the blessed. We might say, man, it's unfair that God did this, but I can't get back to God. So guess what? I'm going to resent the person who got it. It's, it's, what, it's what you call, in Texas, you call them haters. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. Amen? You call them haters. You know, like the brother of the prodigal son. He couldn't get back at the father, so he just despised the brother who came back home. Are you with me? All right. And so here what? How do you get rid How do you get rid of this in your life? Simple. You get rid of envy and jealousy through celebration of others. When you celebrate the blessings of others, God says, "I'll do for you what I did for them." Amen. 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 Oh yeah. Listen, there's always going to be somebody with something shinier and faster and smaller and bigger. That's always going to happen. So instead, instead of being a hater, celebrate. Instead of hate, wait, don't hate. Oh, come on. Tell the person beside you. Don't hate. Celebrate. Listen, when you can celebrate that, listen, when somebody gets married and you want to get married, celebration time. Come on. You see know what I mean? Yeah, you need to do that. Why? Because when you celebrate, it releases that from your heart and God can trust you with something of your own that you will enjoy. You'll have a better life. Hallelujah. Let me close up with this scripture. Psalm chapter 24 and Psalm 24. Amen. Psalm 24. <laughs> Verse 3. There's my timer. We're going to close with this. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a what? And a what? And a pure heart. Who's, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol. Nor sworn deceitfully. Here's the promise for those with a pure heart. He shall receive what? blessings from the lord listen god isn't asking you to clean up your heart just for the sake of cleaning it up but a clean heart attracts the blessings of the lord <laughs> A clean heart attracts the blessings of the Lord. When your heart is right, God can trust you with abundance. When your heart is in a place of rightness, then God can say, I can give you more and more because I know you'll rejoice and know that you'll have a good attitude about it. I know you won't hold it over somebody's head. You're not going to be using my blessing to be a curse to somebody else. Tell somebody, and see what I got. You're not going to be doing that because your heart is in the right place. I can trust you with it that's why the Bible says no good thing will I withhold from them who walk uprightly in me hallelujah hallelujah listen when your heart is light the Lord will cause you to float to a better life hallelujah amen did you learn something this morning Go on give the Lord a hand clap hallelujah He is good.